Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Cutter Podcast for the 25th of January, 2024. Why do I struggle with that? Welcome to it. It's Thursday, that much I know, which means tomorrow's Friday, which is all that really matters. And we all are doing that. And then the Lions get to play and, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, welcome to the program. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Do, uh, do us a favor and maybe... Share it on social media. Encourage your friends and family to subscribe and whatnot. And speaking of subscribing, members of this program get a chance to win. This one it's getting a big reaction. Buzz Aldrin, really cool guy, second man on the moon, the only survivor from the mission to the moon, right? No, survivor. The only still living man. He's not, not like the other guys died in a crash. Uh, but he's the last one alive who was on that Apollo 11 mission. Autographed book by him. Five bucks a month. Support the program. And you get your name thrown in the hat. I have a couple of these books. So we'll we'll do Buzz again later on, too. But uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter com. Why do you have a couple? Well, if you're going to meet Buzz Aldrin at a book signing event, are you going to just get one? Are you stupid? You're crazy? Get multi, get as many, well, not as many as you can. They were charging cover price, not even the discount. But, you know, you go and you get it, man. You go and you get it. Actually, I got him at two different book signings. So this one, this one was at the Smithsonian, I think. The other one was at the Sixth and I Synagogue where they have book signing events. Anyway, you don't need to know that. You just need to know that it's up for grabs and you can win it. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter com. Let's get started. Like I say, we've got a lot going on and a bunch of stuff to get to. The Iowa caucuses are gone. Now it was the New Hampshire primary and now it's the day. It's one of those things where you're just like, that's it. That's it. You build up to it, build up to it, and then it's gone. It's over. And you go, well, what was that all about? What's the final result? What's the, what's the, not the final result, but what's the uh, end result? What, what difference did it make? Nikki Haley, I don't know, she may come out today. Her donors may have a come to Jesus moment and they go, uh, we can't keep throwing good money after bad. It's just not your year or whatever. Maybe she goes, you know what? I don't want to keep doing this. Eventually, there is a point of diminishing returns where you're going to, you know, damage your brand, damage whatever future you may have in politics or even to a lesser extent in the private sector. So you go, you know what? Cost-benefit analysis, I got to get out. And even, or you become John Kasich. And that's really what uh, Nikki Haley is confronted with right now. Is she going to become this year's John Kasich? What was John Kasich? It's actually, she can't be as bad as John Kasich. But John Kasich, if you remember in 2016, he just would not drop out. It was like he was running blockers, like he was doing the bidding of Democrats. There's nothing worse than a self appointed. True conservative. I hate people who argue that they're the true conservative. They're the this. They're the that. They're the other thing. It's like, okay, 
Some people are definitely more conservative than others. There's no question about that. But there is no definition of true conservative. We don't need purity tests. We're not Democrats. We don't need or want absolute loyalty and fealty to politicians, to anybody or anything. You can have differing opinions on the right. That's part of the hallmark. While the left is screaming that, oh, the Republicans are just extremists, extremists, extremists. They uniformly agree on everything. They uniformly agree that human beings are the biggest root cause of all the problems in life and the, the planet would be wonderful and great if we'd just wipe out all the people and blah, blah, blah. And you go, who's the extremist here? You need to live right around your house and not travel anywhere. Your carbon footprint, your carbon... I got some audio coming up of that. And it's like, my God. But you just sit there and you, you watch these people. They're always guilty of what they accuse us of doing. They, it's just without fail. So you end up with a situation where they constantly are lying. They constantly are getting things deliberately wrong. And John Kasich really personified that. He was the one who thought that he should be the gatekeeper. He should be the bouncer at the door of the club saying, you can't come in. We're not up. Don't worry. We're not close to fire code, but you're just not there. You're not dressed. He wants to be the bouncer at Studio 54. Yeah, you know, the way you're dressed today, not so great. Nah, I don't really care for the way you're looking. Your hair's a little shabby. Why don't you come back when you buy some new fancy bell bottoms or something like that? That's what he wanted to be. So he never let it be just Ted Cruz versus Donald Trump. Personally, I think that John Kasich knew he was never, you know, his, his father was a mailman. That's the only thing I remember. That and his smug sense of uh, douchebaggery. Those are the two things I remember about John Kasich from 2016. But he, um, he told everybody his father was a mailman. He had some story about his father being a mailman. Like, that's all well and good. It, it doesn't mean anything, okay? I learned hard work from from a mailman. Okay, yeah, no, no, some mailmen work really hard. Some never get out of their car and just drive up to the mailbox, but okay, whatever. You didn't do it. Glory is not transferable. But he tried to. Glory by proxy is just an indication that you have really nothing to be uh, glorified about yourself but he wouldn't drop out i remember he just wouldn't and he was taking enough votes away from ted cruz theoretically i mean i don't know who knows if his voters would have shown up for ted cruz who knows if his voters would have shown up at all but it was the argument was he's taking sucking up a lot of oxygen taking away just enough votes from ted cruz to make this a serious contest and the argument was, and he ended up with a CNN contract, so maybe the argument has some merit, that um, he was staying in because he wanted to damage Ted Cruz. He did not want, he didn't like Ted Cruz. A lot of people don't like Ted Cruz. But he really wanted Donald Trump to be the nominee, not because he supported Donald Trump, but because he, like most of the rest of the establishment, was convinced that Donald Trump would lose. And they'd much rather lose with a Donald Trump than win with a Ted Cruz. Well, a funny thing happened on the, the old joke, you want to make God laugh, make a plan. A funny thing happened on the way to that end result. And we all know what happened there. And John, John uh, Kasich is now 
sort of, well, not sort of irrelevant, completely irrelevant. I don't even know if he still has his CNN gig. Probably, probably. But it is um, one of those, the damnedest things where there comes a point when you just have to admit that it's not your year. It's not you, no matter how badly you want it, no matter how many, you've got a whole bunch of people on your payroll telling you, this is it, you can do it, we can still pull this out, and you you want to believe them. You've worked your ass off. You've campaigned for a year. Now, it's, it's not breaking rocks, but it's not nothing. So you sit there and you watch all this happen, and you, you, you watch it slip away, and you don't, she was going to, remember Nikki Haley was going to win, New Hampshire. She claimed that she came, you know, made, oh, Iowa made it a, a two-person race, even though she came in third. Well, Iowa did make it a two-person race because Ron DeSantis recognized, saw the handwriting on the wall and said, I, I can't win. I'm going to get out. That made it a two-person race. And when it was a two-person race, even when Democrats were able to vote for her, independents were able to vote for her, all these people were able to vote for her, she still got her rear end handed to her. It still didn't work out. And so you sit there and you, you go, at some point, don't you have to admit that it's not your time? And if you want to ever have a time, Nikki Haley's still relatively young. It's kind of funny when you're watching Nikki Haley give her speech. We need to pass the torch to a new generation. We need a new generation of leadership. We need a new generation. And she was saying this in context to uh, Ron DeSantis. And it's like, uh, Ron DeSantis is younger than you. You're not exactly an old maid, but Ron DeSantis is younger than you. So let's just be honest about that. <laughs> just, I love people who pretend, who have this weird, perverted worldview. They lie to them. You can lie to everybody if you're a politician, but you shouldn't lie to yourselves. You lost by, she lost by 11.3 percentage points last night in New Hampshire. And she is not, at least as of now, going anywhere. Now, remember, Ron DeSantis didn't drop out immediately after Iowa. It took a couple of days. His donors probably thought about it and said, nah, we can't continue. We're not going to continue throwing good money after bad. His family probably thought, well, this is, it's just not your time. It's not working out. Nikki Haley's donors are a little bit different. Nikki Haley's donors are very wealthy, billionaire, um, Republicans. Some of them are Democrats. Some of them just want to damage Donald Trump as long as much as possible, and they think a prolonged primary process will damage Donald Trump. But if one thing Donald Trump has shown everybody in politics, and for some reason they just can't get it through their thick head, is all the conventional wisdom everything related to how things normally work just doesn't apply to it. It just doesn't. It's not going to happen. So you can sit there and go, well, if we do this, then that. You can think that. And you can think that because that's the way it's always been. But because it's always been that way doesn't mean it's going to be that way with this particular guy. I don't claim to understand it. Nobody else has captured it. Nobody has come close to that. So you could sit there and you can say, well, I don't really care. If you're the billionaire leftist who's funding Nikki Haley's super PAC and you got more money than you know what to do with and it doesn't really matter because by the time you're done writing the check, you will 
have earned it back, the stocks or whatever. Some, your interest will have increased and you'll, you'll be richer than you were before you gave $50 million. And yeah, it's a true thing. People are like that. Some people are like that. Uh, once you get rich enough, it's almost impossible to go broke unless the company that's debating. If Amazon somehow completely collapsed and became worth nothing, then Jeff Bezos could go broke. But short of that, and that ain't going to happen, he'll be all right for example. So these people, it means nothing to them. And they're not looking to get Nikki Haley the nomination. Maybe they started off that way, but they were looking to get Nikki Haley the nomination mostly because they didn't want Donald Trump to have the nomination. And then they looked at Ron DeSantis and said, no, I don't want him to have it either, because as you saw painted on MSNBC and CNN every 25 minutes, there's not a time for the difference between these two. They're both mega extremists. And they started calling, whenever Ron DeSantis would do well in the polls, they're like, "Eh, it's Trumpism without Trump, but it's just as bad. He may be worse than Trump. He may be more Hitlerific than Donald Trump. And then DeSantis started to fall in the polls and they stopped calling him Hitler. They tried to keep their powder. They realized that calling everybody Hitler sooner or later, you're going to get the chicken little problem. And so they hold off on that and they hold off on that. And they go to Nikki Haley. Easy to get to. She's in desperate need of support. She didn't do too terribly in the debates, especially the first one. She got to be kind of more insufferable and self-righteous later on, which Makes me think maybe she's getting high off her own supply, which could bode poorly for her ability to be self-aware and recognize that it's just not her time, but that's getting ahead of myself. And they started throwing money at her, and she started lapping it up, and she started getting media attention, and she started lapping that up, and it was wonderful, and it was great. Everybody gets their moment in the sun. Vivek Ramaswamy had the same thing after the first debate. Everybody's like, ooh, who's this Vivek? And then they watched him again, and it just wasn't good. Nikki had her moment. She was surging in the polls. And people said, ooh, this is interesting. Flavor of the moment. What's going on? And then they looked at her and they said, not not super great. So you end up, she gets 43% in, uh, in New Hampshire. And you go, huh, well, okay, I guess that's it's not bad, I suppose. And then you realize that the uh, independents... And Democrats could vote in the Republican primary. And you go, what? How's that? Well, the left has portrayed this as though it's not the case. I want to play you a clip here of Caitlin Collins on CNN. Not a fan of Caitlin Collins. I don't like Caitlin Collins at all. She's not bright. She used to work at the Daily Caller back in the day. She wrote uh, side boob posts. That's what she was. Somehow CNN said, this is what we need. This is the future of, of news. And CNN is now losing to the uh, Inspiration Network, which I'll get to hopefully in a bit. Swear to God, my dad used to love that. They just show reruns of Gunsmoke nonstop. It's hypnotic. You can watch Gunsmoke isn't a bad show, but you should not be losing, especially in a political season, in prime time to reruns of a TV show that hadn't been on the air for 60 plus years. Just saying. And part of that reason is you get Caitlin Collins up there who has, how do I put this and not sound mean? I can't, so screw it. She looks as though her inner monologue is, duh. 
it's just how she comes off. You, you look at her face and you think, she's confused. And you go, but what is she confused about? And then you realize it's everything. And she was on CNN last night talking about debate reaction. And she said, took issue with what Donald Trump said about Democrats and independents voting in the New Hampshire primary. That's what his concern is. That's why he's been talking about and pushing a false claim that Democrats can vote in today's election. As we know, they can't. The cutoff, as every official in New Hampshire has reminded us, including Republicans, was back in October. But Trump has been pushing that. But she's wrong. Well, we've got people, Donald Trump's saying that Democrats can vote. Yeah, that October deadline was an October deadline for a reason. The deadline was you change your party affiliation. If you know that you're, if you're a Democrat and you know that Joe Biden isn't competing in New Hampshire, or you just want to go and mess with Republicans, you can just go and register as an independent. You don't even have to get in the dirt with them and have that R after your name, EU. No, you don't have to do that at all. You just simply register as an independent, and then you can do whatever the hell you want. You can go vote in a Republican primary. Like I say, 4,000 or so, according to some reports, people did just that. They changed it. If you were a registered independent beforehand, you were already good to go because there are conservatives who are like, I'm, I'm really independent. You hear this all the time. I'm a registered this. I'm a registered that. They do that mostly for show. I know a lot of Republicans, conservatives, right of center people who live in Washington, D.C., who are registered Democrats. Why? Well, because Washington, D.C. is 90% Democrat. All the decisions, if they live there, it makes sense. All the decisions that matter politically, elect, electorally, happen in the Democratic primary. Well, if you have to be a Democrat to vote in the Democratic primary, the general doesn't matter. Oh, there's, there's a Democrat versus a Republican. Which one do you think is going to win? Trump got like what 8% of the vote in Washington, D.C. The decisions are made in the primary, so it makes sense to register as a Democrat. What's really weird and kind of annoying is these people who try to make it some sort of virtue. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not that. I'm a registered Democrat. Yeah, you're a registered Democrat for a reason. Don't, don't pretend. Like, you're an organ donor because you got a free hat at a baseball game. You're not super concerned about it and the second you get back to the dmv you're going to change it again so don't don't pretend that you're a hero okay you want to be a hero be a hero but spare me this i've I've done this that and the other thing no but in new hampshire that's the deal if you're a democrat and you want to vote in the republican primary for whatever reason you just go and change your registration it's very easy to do it's not complicated change it and you go about your business. You're well on your way. So to say Democrats can't vote in this, <coughs> her own network put a graphic up. This is to tell you how bad Caitlin Collins is. Her own network put up a graphic that showed that 70% of the people who voted for Nikki Haley were not registered Republicans. 70%. Nothing to, that's, a, that's a lot. On CNN, there's a screen capture of it. It's up in my Twitter feed. Citizen Free Press tweeted out 70% of Nikki Haley's voters in New Hampshire were not registered Republicans. 70% were registered undeclared. 
Registered Republicans were 20% of the people, 27% of the people who voted for, and unregistered before today, 3%. That's Nikki Haley's base. Donald Trump pointed that out in his speech, that she was carried as far as she was by non-Republicans. And it is really stupid that you can vote in a primary and not be a member of the party. It's the party's inner workings. You don't get to go to a company you're not a shareholder of and say, here's how you got to run these things. Here's what I think about what you're doing. That's not how it works. You don't get to go and to a family meeting and a family of which you are not a part and say, here's where I think we should go vacation or anything like that. Why should it be any different? The states that do this never made any sense to me, but they do it because, I don't know, they want to be inclusive, they want, like to have inflated numbers, whatever the rationale is, it doesn't really matter. It's just incredibly stupid. They shouldn't do it. It'd be a much better world if they didn't do it. If you allowed Republicans to pick their nominees the way that Democrats pick their nominees. But for CNN to sit there and go, well... You, this is their new, this is their primetime anchor. This is the person they've hinged their primetime fate on. There is no reason to believe Donald Trump is just simply lying about... No, Caitlin, whoever's feeding you information into your earpiece is wrong. But they, you should know this, all right? You've had the job for a while. I get that you're not that bright, but at a certain point... When all the information in the world is at your fingertips and you're going to make declarative statements on television all night long, you at some point should, I don't know, decide to verify whatever it is that you think the pearl of wisdom you're about to drop is. At some point, you should just do it. And the rest of the panel is just kind of looking at her like, oh, God, whatever. Just kind of roll their eyes and go, you can't. You can't fix stupid because you can't fix stupid. You also don't have to give it a primetime show, do you? Also over at CNN, Van, jo Van Jones is an interesting cat. Committed leftist, but he does, and, and people fall for this, and I fell for it, and I'll, I'll repeat it. He's a super nice guy. He's a super nice guy, but he along with everybody else, the fellow travelers who aren't nice guys, would, if given the chance, shove you into the Grand Canyon. Figur figuratively, maybe literally. He's a committed leftist. And so at the end of the day, that's where his loyalties lie. He's not, you're not standing immediately between him and his objective, Right. You're just not at that at any given moment. You're not standing between him and his, so he'll be nice to you. It'd be nice, but if the second he thinks that he can score a political point, he'll throw you under the bus. It's the same thing with all these Democrats. I love how like the uh, whatever conservative idiot they have on the View, and it doesn't matter who the conservative idiot is on the View. They've gotten less and less conservative over the time, but they've never become less of an idiot. But they've always you know had one token pseudo Republican conservative on the View. And whether it's the lucky sperm or whether it's the, the former person who then betrayed everybody, whatever it is, they put some Republican up there who says, uh, as a conservative, as a con if you're a conservative, you don't have to tell people you're a conservative. You just don't. They know it. We know it. We get it. 
I'm six foot five. I don't have to go around in meetings and going, as somebody who's tall, as somebody who's tall, I don't have to do that. There's a reason that short women ask me to grab things off the top shelf of the grocery store, and it's not my charm and good looks. It's because I'm exceedingly tall relative to them and can reach it. I get it. They get it. They didn't need to be, I don't need to wear a shirt that says, I'm tall. If you need some help with the top shelf, I got you, Grandma. I don't need to wear that shirt. They know it. You'd be a kind of a jerk and go, you climb up those shelves, Grandma. I ain't getting you your, your cornflakes. You figure it out. But the, the, uh, so many people need to declare, feel the need to com- declare themselves to be things they are not because they are not those things. I'm super honest. I'll never lie to you. Never, really? Really? Hold on to your wallet. Somebody says that. Anyway, Van Jones was on, and he, uh, like I say, I've met him a couple of times. He's very nice and personal. And another thing about that is he always said, well, I met this famous person. I met this famous person. I met this. I met that. I met the other thing. And like they were so nice. What do you expect them to do? You met them at an event. Like I met William Shatner at an event where he was signing autographs and I paid whatever it was, 80 bucks or whatever for his autograph and to get his autograph, sign a book. And he was super nice. Well, I'm giving him money. What is he supposed to do? Punch me in the face and go, get out of here. What do you, how well do you think that will go over with the rest of the people he's hoping to get a huge chunk of money from? If you, as long as you're not interrupting a celebrity eating or on a date or whatever, they're not going to go, who the hell are you? Don't talk to me like that. A Dave Chappelle on the streets of Washington, D.C. was super nice. Why? Because I just said, hey, Dave Chappelle. And he said, hey, how's it going? And then people were gathering and that was it. It was on my way. It was, couldn't have been nicer. Could have been meaner. Could have tried to shove me into the into L Street, but he didn't. That being said, being super nice isn't an excuse for being completely wrong about everything. And Van Jones is completely wrong about his political views, about his policy prescriptions and what he would like to do in this country. That being said, every once in a while, he's a very astute observer of politics. And last night on CNN, he said something that I thought was very interesting that could factor into why it is Nikki Haley is, at least as of now, decided to stay into this. It will, it being officially a two-person race, suddenly it becomes a lot more difficult for Donald Trump to refuse to debate. Not more difficult, Donald Trump doesn't give a damn. But there's a much better case to be made against Donald Trump as, quote unquote, being afraid to debate Nikki Haley if it's just Nikki Haley. I'm maybe not doing it justice. I'll let Van Jones explain Van Jones himself. I, 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 I do see it somewhat differently just with regard to, to the debate. I do think that he looks weak. Basically, there's a woman that says, I want to get you. I want to debate with you. And he looks weak running from one person saying, look, I don't want to be involved in the big circles with a bunch of nobodies. Mm. I, 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 I don't know that that doesn't wind up giving her a little bit more to say. And to your point, she does not have a landing field out there anywhere past where she is right now. And it could create. So I just I just I don't want to. I, I think you're going to hear that. I think it may work better than we think. But go ahead, David. No, it's good. It absolutely could. He's right. 
when it was there weren't that when there were seven people on the stage and he says i'm not going to get in that clown show i'm not going to climb into that clown car it's not worth my time it's a waste of time and energy none of these people blah 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 but now you got somebody who got 44 percent of the vote or whatever it was it's a little bit different a little bit different now he can still do it and plow through because he's Nikki Haley's campaign was so disorganized to this point until the uh, the billionaires got behind her, the liberal billionaires got behind her, that she is not competing. Next week is the Nevada caucuses. There's Nevada caucuses. That's how the Nevada caucuses. But you had to pay and register. You had to pay like $55,000 to register. Running for president ain't cheap. And you had to pay for the cost of the state to... Uh, run the thing and count the thing and all that. So it costs money. It's $55,000, I believe it is. Nikki Haley didn't have the money, didn't have the desire, didn't really probably really think that it was doable, wasn't thinking that far ahead back when the deadline passed a few months ago to sign up for the Nevada caucuses. So she's not on the Nevada caucuses. Donald Trump has already won the Nevada caucuses. Everybody else has dropped out. He's the last candidate. It's game over. It's that simple. It's it's done. Nikki Haley's like, oh, next up is South Carolina. Not, not next up. Not next up. You didn't, you weren't a serious enough candidate to get involved in Nevada, which means Donald Trump will have three victories in a row before he rolls into South Carolina in two weeks, I think it is. At which point, if Nikki Haley doesn't pull off a stunning upset victory, it's definitely over. Doesn't mean she'll quit, just means it's definitely over. So she's got to create something. All the money in the world can buy you a lot of commercials. All the money in the world can buy you a lot of good press, can have you have events. You can get a lot of people excited. You can hire. A way to get people excited in the campaign and get people excited for a campaign is to hire a bunch of them. Put them on the payroll. If you got that walking around money, you're technically an ambassador, you're a whatever, you're a, a canvasser for Nikki Haley. You can get people excited with a lot of money. But if you can't get voters to change their minds, then you're screwed. And the easiest way to do that well, there are a couple of ways. Donald Trump could fall flat on his face. That doesn't seem likely. And Donald Trump's voters, I don't think they would care. Or you get on the debate stage and you score points. Ted Cruz, if I remember correctly, was able to... It was Ted Cruz and John Kasich and Donald Trump on the debate stage. This is why I think Donald Trump will never agree to it. Because that Ted Cruz is a great debater. John Kasich is an insufferable human being. How anybody could look at that performance and go, yes, more of that is beyond me. But uh, Ted Cruz is an excellent speaker and debater. You can find him to be grating, and sometimes he can be, but he knows what he's talking about. He's got a command of the facts and is able to string together arguments the way a lawyer would, because he's a lawyer, probably. But... He could never break through because Kasich was there. If it's just Donald Trump and Nikki Haley, Donald Trump will get his zingers in. Donald Trump would get his his moments in the sun and he can pull the I was there, I had the job kind of thing. 
But he also runs risk of offending a lot of women. And while Republican women, conservative women, wouldn't be offended by a man treating a woman like an equal, a lot of liberal women would. A lot of suburbanite, Chardonnay-drinking women would. And so the Donald, Donald Trump recognizes that he could come across as a bit of a jackass in a debate one-on-one -on -one with Nikki Haley. He could be. The media would definitely spin it as condescending and sexist, horrible, mean, mean-spirited, nasty, whatever. The way everything they did to do with uh, Carly Fiorino in the 2016 primary, everything they did with Hillary Clinton in the 2016 general election, boy, how do they try to make... Hillary was just so wildly unlikable. Nobody's as unlikable as Hillary Clinton is. It's a big part of the reason why Donald Trump won is that Hillary Clinton, he, he was blessed with the most ideal opponent you could ever possibly, if you had a box of parts and you wanted to make the most insufferable, unelectable human being ever out of those parts, you'd build Hillary Clinton. You would. You'd have difficulty going, I can't, you'd have difficulty getting it as obnoxious as she is. You'd really have to find the right parts, but you could get close just by picking the worst things that you could find. Nikki Haley's a lot of things, but she's not Hillary Clinton. So it would be completely different. Plus, Nikki Haley is kind of ready to play the victim card. She's running around talking about how she was the only one of this and that she felt alone and discrimination. She gets it, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay, that's not, I don't know who you think you're appealing to here. But you're arguing the United States is horribly racist, but it's not a racist country. That's probably why you get 44% in New Hampshire, Nikki. You might want to tamp that down a little bit. But there will be challenges thrown. Let's have a debate. Let's do this. Now, one thing that I think sort of screws Nikki Haley is something I think will screw Donald Trump in the general election. And that's... Um, she debated, she refused to debate Ron DeSantis one last time before New Hampshire. There was a debate scheduled. ABC News had it. It was going to be the two of them. They invited Trump. Trump wasn't going to go. But they had a chance to debate one more time to give voters another before DeSantis dropped out. And Nikki Haley refused to go. She said, well, if Donald Trump's not going to be there, I'm not going to do that. She was pretending like she was the second place winner in Iowa because perception for sadly too many people is reality so uh, she was able to get away with that now Donald Trump could look at her the same way and go you know what the polls don't even want you're not even registering you're not a blip on the radar screen you're not worth my time at which you'd have to do it a little bit more tactfully than that but he wouldn't have to show up for the same reason he didn't have to show up before and for the same reason she didn't have to show up for DeSantis. And it's all well and good and it'll probably work. What they don't seem to realize is that that's exactly what Democrats are going to do in the general election. I can't, maybe there's one debate, but Trump wants a million debates. There's not going to be a million debates. There's not going to be three debates. I just can't imagine that there's going to be that many debates because there's no reason for Joe Biden, there's no upside for Joe Biden to debate. 
The he's, debates aren't going to convince anybody that Joe Biden is on the ball. Debates aren't going to convince anybody that groceries are more affordable. You're not going to be able to be talked into the idea that gasoline is cheaper. You know, that you can afford your rent or your mortgage. You're not going to be able to be talked into that. So Joe Biden doesn't have a reason, really, an upside to be on that stage as the incumbent. It's all upside for Donald Trump. Same thing in this situation. Trump has no upside. There's no His supporters are his supporters. The people who don't like him aren't going to change their mind unless and until he's the only choice. And the people who go, I'm going to vote for Nikki because I don't want to vote for Trump are going to vote for Nikki no matter what. You got to work on trying to get them to come home in the general election at this point. And that's all there is to it. Being on the debate stage with Nikki Haley doesn't accomplish that because you can't be on the debate stage with Nikki Haley and say nice things about her. But I would warn everybody that, you know, Donald Trump is going to have difficulty getting Joe Biden on the debate stage. Joe Biden has no reason to go on the debate stage. There's nothing to gain and a lot to lose. You have a senior moment. He'll get things wrong. While you can count on MSNBC and CNN and the three networks not fact-checking Joe Biden, and they'll fact-check everything that Donald Trump says. Any, they're going to accuse Donald Trump of 500 lies in the course of a single debate. But you know what? Honestly, that's baked into the cake. Everybody... You know, anybody who's persuadable by that isn't going to vote for Donald Trump already. And anybody who might uh, who'd be inclined to vote for Donald Trump has already factored that in. They go, yeah, you know, he's kind of full of it, but better than the other guy. So there's no upside for Joe. And if he does have a senior moment, if he does get things wildly wrong, if he he talks about his son and Trump is able to effectively articulate the things like, hey, you, you know, your your son gave you gave him fifty thousand dollars. He gave you fifty thousand dollars. You said it was a loan. Did you? Uh, can you show that you you loaned him the money? You got fifty thousand coming back to you. Can we see fifty thousand going to him, or two hundred thousand going to your brother, or something like that? And he said, that's just a bunch of malarkey. That's just a bunch of malarkey. His inability to answer that will not bode well for him. So. It's, uh, I'll be surprised if there are any debates. I'll be surprised if there are any debates between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. But I would say that Nikki Haley's in a better position, as Van Jones articulated, to say that, what are you afraid of, old man? What are you afraid of? I don't think Donald Trump is afraid. I just think it's like, there's, there's no upside for me. Why would I waste my time? I'm sure some liberal will be offended by that, too. He said, waste of time talking about a woman? Huh? Because women are waste of time? No. Liberal women are. Oh, that's so mean. I know, but I only say that because I mean it. <laughs> yeah. While there was this... Uh, <sighs> I, I, fecal fest going on with Caitlin Collins over at CNN. And, I, you know, I, I give credit where it's due. I thought that uh, Van Jones did a fine job. 
You can only pick up and drag somebody so far across the finish line, especially when you're already dragging Joe Biden across the finish line. But you've got this uh, situation, and you go over to MSNBC, and they they carried more of Donald Trump's victory speech this time. They did. Poor Rachel Maddow's sitting there, and she keeps interrupting, going, Donald Trump said that he won the general election in the primary and New Hampshire. He did. He won the primary three times, but he did not win the general election. I missed the part where he said he'd won the general election. I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't really care. It's weird because I've never seen Rachel Maddow go, Joe Biden says that he was active in the civil rights movement, but there's he wasn't. He didn't. In fact, when he first got to the United States Senate, he was gleefully embraced and happy to have the support of a whole bunch of segregationist Democrats. Never, never once have I heard her say, Joe Biden said he was arrested trying to go visit uh, Nelson Mandela in prison on Robben Island, and yet he never explained why it was that he flew into Soweto, which was several thousand miles away, and he claimed he was arrested at the airport, even though he wasn't arrested at the airport, or you could just go even more innocuous. Joe Biden says that he rode over a million miles on uh, Amtrak, and a conductor friend of his told him that he did it, and because he found out how many miles he flew on Air Force Two as vice president, said, that's nothing, you've done over a million miles on Amtrak, and the conductor friend of his had died more than a decade earlier, and it was impossible for him to communicate, unless Joe Biden has a the ability to communicate with the dead. We don't haven't seen Haley Joel Osment in a while, but it doesn't seem like the sixth sense was that long ago. I mean, you could go on. There's literally everything about Joe Biden's. I was a truck driver. No, you weren't. You never had a real job. I was a this. I, I did that. I basically grew up in the black church. No, you didn't. I basically grew up in the synagogue. No, you didn't. Never once has Rachel Maddow furrowed her brow at Joe Biden. He just tells these untruths. Nope. Of no concern. Substantive, biographical whatever it is. I'm sure that Rachel Maddow spent a whole lot of time trying to find out whether or not, in fact, Corn Pop was a bad dude. But she won't fact-check anything that matters for a Democrat. But she kept interrupting Donald Trump last night. Well, we're going to try to do this again. We're going to try to carry this. But our, our integrity as journalists makes it difficult to let Donald Trump speak so we will uh, we'll listen to him, and then we'll have former CIA director John Brennan on to talk about how Vladimir Putin probably put all these words into a teleprompter for Donald Trump because he is, of course, a Russian puppet. Everybody knows that. The Steele dossier proved that. But we cannot impugn our integrity, you see. Not our integrity. I have, all I have is my integrity and the $30 million I'm paid to do one night of television per week by NBC News. That's it. Uh, those, those two things are all that I have. <laughs> well, I can unburden you. One of that, happily, happily take your $30 million if you, because capitalism is evil, right? I mean, it's always, you ever notice the people who hate capitalism the most are the people who make a ton of money but do so in possibly the least fulfilling way possible. Like, at the end of the day, 
the one day a week that Joy or that uh, Rachel Maddow works. She's getting $30 million. She only does a show on Mondays. And they gave her that money because they were terrified that she might go get CNN. She might go to work for CNN. Like, why wouldn't she just fling herself off the Brooklyn Bridge? Like, it's the same thing. Actually, more people would probably see that. But, oh, we got to keep her online. And she goes, oh, she's in the capitalism is bad. Capitalism is bad. Capitalism is the problem. It's unfair. Like, you have a shallow, empty, hollow existence. You don't produce it. At the end of the day, you look back on what you just did and you go, I just, I just lied for an hour. I just lied for an hour and I got nothing and nothing's going to wash these lies off my hands. You don't get too much of that sort of capitalism is bad and life is miserable and this country sucks and from people who do things for a living, do real things for a living, do, you know, truck drivers, roofers, construction workers, any of the skilled trades, they're making a good living. They're doing something. When I was a roofer in college, it was one of the most fulfilling jobs I've ever had. It really, truly was. Because at the end of the day, you look back and you go, I did that. I did that. I burned down that 500-degree tar. I've got the scars on my legs from putting those Tootsie Rolls into the kiln. Like I get it, the splash. I did that. I still drive around Detroit with a sense of pride when we come to the buildings. We mostly did commercial buildings or uh, residential buildings. A lot of slumlords in Detroit. But uh, they'd eventually put a roof on. You have to cut the roof down, take the deck off and put new roof deck on and then screw that in and then the insulation and then the, the tar. And he, I did that. I didn't make the people who lived there's lives that much better, not free. I mean, they were hanging out. There's one place that uh, they'd hang out the first of the month. We were there for a long time. There were three, I think it was three, at least two Section 8 clearly houses, or not houses, big buildings near the Masonic Temple that used to be, you could tell they used to be really nice probably in the 20s when people lived in the city. They've gotten decrepit. I didn't make their lives better in the sense, you know, when the Social Security money came, they'd be sitting in the parking lot drinking under a tree, having a blast. You could hear him four stories up, having a blast. And that lasted for about a week or two. You know, it got smaller, the longer it went on, the smaller the group got. And then by the end of the month, when the Social Security money ran out, there wasn't anybody out there having a good old time under the tree drinking. But then the Social Security money would come again and they were back out there. I didn't make their lives better in the sense that they don't sit in a parking lot and drink themselves silly anymore. Although... Maybe that was their best life. Maybe that's exactly what they wanted out of life. I don't know. I can't judge. But um, I made their lives better in that the roof over their head wasn't going to leak anymore. There's no way some of these roofs aren't just weren't just sieves. I made it in such a way that uh, you know the the air conditioning or the heat will stay in there if they're on a top floor. It'll be a lot better. And you know, if, just because it's a four-story building and you're on the second story doesn't mean a leak won't impact you. Water finds a way. So, yeah, in that sense, it was a sense of accomplishment. You do this and you, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking, and you don't know. Did I make a difference? Is anybody listening? Does it matter? It's a different thing. Now, this is much easier. I don't wake up with, you know, 
tar stuck. You get that 500 degree tar splattered on you. You can't pick it off. It's burned into you. You got to kind of wait for it to fall off like a scab. It's just how it is. Or you get the roofing cement, which we called smirch. I don't know why they called it smirch. But that was the most evil stuff that gets on you. And you it just it's so difficult to get off. It's just sticky and gooey, and eventually it wears off. But you're just like, you're covered in this stuff. Got to wear gloves. But at the end of the day, you look back and you go, I did that. And I still drive around. And I did that. I put the roof on that house. I put the roof on that building. I put the boiler in this building. We did boiler work. We did all sorts. Of, I will never forget, we were at the Serengeti Ballroom on Woodward Avenue in downtown Detroit, right near where I was going to college. And we were replacing a cast iron drain pipe that was this is probably that's a little gross but it was connected to a toilet up on the i don't know the serengeti ballroom was pretty big and then there were like three stories of apartments upstairs but it was the toilet drainage we had to knock out probably five feet and then put a patch in there a piece in there to, to gap it because it somehow had become cracked and was leaking which was already unpleasant and you tell everybody in the building hey Give us an hour. Don't use your bathroom. If you use your bathroom, don't flush the toilet. Just give us an hour or two. Don't. Almost everybody listened. So you're sitting there and you're up on these ladders and you knock this piece out. You cut this piece out. Cast iron is very fragile, but it's also very strong. And you get the new piece in there to sort of bridge the gap. And you could, before you could do that, you could hear, you'd hear it coming. You're like, oh, God, and you just get away from it, and everything comes flying. It's just a mess. But you know what? At the end of the day, that place is, it's still there. It was a historic place in Detroit. That place's uh, toilets now work because of me. Yeah, we put a roof on it, too. This is completely different. So you can see why maybe these people are, it's easy to be communists if you think your life is meaningless, especially if you're sitting on a huge pile of money like Rachel Maddow and the gang over there. But this isn't about Rachel Maddow. This is about Joy Reid. Again, last night, she declared a winner. I want you to listen to this, and if you are, if you suffer motion sickness, maybe take a Dramamine real quick, because um, she does some twists and turns to try and spin it. She's got her orders and when you're as dumb as a hammer, everything is a nail. She's got her order. She's got her mission. It's about Joe Biden. It's about Joe Biden is the winner. Republicans are evil, blah, blah, blah. So in a race that didn't count, that didn't matter, even though the White House is saying, oh, we're not participating in that uh, thing, there was a, a very uh, vociferous campaign in New Hampshire to get Joe Biden written in. I'll tell you why, by the way. The reason in the past month this became an issue, probably two months, this became an issue because Joe was never going to participate in New Hampshire. He's never won New Hampshire. It just wasn't going to go well in the primary. Um, the rabid anti-Semitic left in the Democratic Party was mounting an effort to get people to write in ceasefire now. They really, they did put forth an effort. They were trying, and it got several thousand votes. It was, they wanted to flood the zone 
embarrass Joe Biden, embarrass Democrats by the winner of the, it was never going to happen, but the winner of the Democratic primary in New Hampshire was ceasefire now. They wanted that. And so the Democrat establishment quickly mustered a right-in-Joe-Biden campaign. Suddenly these people had money and time on their hands. It's weird. Nobody's like, I'm just going to go stand in the streets and campaign for Joe and try and get people to write in Joe Biden for no good reason. They were paid. It was their job. The establishment set this up. And so they did. And they won. Of course they won. They're the establishment. They've got the entire state's party's infrastructure. They've won the state several times in federal elections. They have the power there now. But somehow that makes Joe Biden the big winner, according to Joy Reid. Here's how she tries to make sense of that. If New Hampshire is the avatar for what independent voters want and would choose, uh, you know, given the option, given the fact that anyone could play mm-hmm. in that independent side, uh, Nikki Haley beat Donald Trump among independents by something like 40, vo- for, you know, 40 percentage points. That is not a good sign for a sitting former, a former president of the United States who, again, wants to be seen as president. Yes, he will beat her in South Carolina. But let's not forget that one of the things that Joe Biden did was to remake the calendar such that he was not on the ballot in New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. still mopped up Dean Phillips in New Hampshire when he wasn't even on the ballot as a write-in candidate. Yes, Donald Trump will likely win South Carolina, Nikki Haley's home state. Joe Biden might win it by more Mm -hmm. because that state is built for Joe Biden, just like on the Republican side, it's built for Donald Trump. So tonight, the winner, if you want to look at all of the metrics for a general election, the winner tonight is Joe Biden, mm-hmm. who won in New Hampshire decisively as a write-in, who is going to win decisively in South Carolina. And the story that Donald Trump thinks he's going to get out of South Carolina, Joe Biden will get one of equal value to him. Uh, and in the end, he's got a better story to tell in November because he's not facing 91 criminal counts. <laughs> yeah. You almost feel bad for her. She's the type of person who needs to thank her lucky stars that breathing is a reflex because she lacks the brain capacity to remember to do it. She would suffocate sitting on her couch if you had to use your intelligence to go in, out, in, out. Why? Because she doesn't have the tools. She does not have the tools. Joe Biden is the big winner here. You, you just and what's amazing isn't that Jill or that uh, Joy sort of belched together this sort of thing. What's amazing is that everybody on the panel, the entirety of the MSNBC primetime lineup, the brain trust of the progressive media all sat there like bobbleheads on a dashboard of the family truckster going down a bumpy road going, yep, 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 you're right. You're right. I hadn't thought of it in that way. Boy, howdy, let me just tell you, Joy, you are the best. You're the smartest. You're why we we all get the big bucks. You're the anchor of the, yeah, the anchor. There's something to be said for being the anchor of a lineup, but there's also, you know, she's more of an anchor for when somebody's drowning. And you throw them an anchor because it's just unbelievably stupid. It is unbelievably stupid. It's progressive, though, so it's got that going for it. 
think about it though for a second because if you're you're sitting there you're msnbc you're joy reed you're sitting there going oh uh the real winner joe biden obviously joe biden he he ran against a guy nobody ever heard of an oprah's guru she you know she's carrying around crystals in her pocket marianne williamson and she she's not stupid she's a little flighty there's a difference between being stupid and flighty it just like she really does seem to believe that if you put a crystal in your pocket or whatever you're gonna everything's gonna be great and you just go okay well against that joe biden i mean joe biden beat the hell out of marianne williamson in 2020 so it's not a super accomplishment and congressman doug whatever his name is again not a super big accomplishment the real thing is that that guy got 20 percent of the vote in the democratic primary you go how that should be something that worries democrats but this guy got 20 percent of the vote how's that possible well but donald but uh, joe biden had uh, more write-in results. And went, okay, that's fine. He had more, I guess, Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips, not Doug. He got 20, 19.7% of the vote. 18,000 people. And so, well, Joe Biden got 64,083 write-in votes as of now. That's huge. Write-in, do you understand? It's not that big of a deal. When you have a situation like they have there, Joe Biden is pretty easy to write. You mobilize the apparatus of the state. It wasn't a grassroots thing. You mobilize the apparatus of the state party to get Joe Biden, people to write in Joe Biden. People forget it wasn't that long ago that up in Alaska, Barbara, not Barbara Mikulski, I can't remember her name. She, uh, Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski, she lost in the Republican primary. Being a sore loser and Alaska not having sore loser laws, which means if you lose in the primary, you can't go and run third party. You, you, you're pot committed. You want to run as an independent, you run as an independent. You want to run as a Republican or a Democrat, you run as a Republican or a Democrat. In the primary process, if you lose, you're out. Alaska doesn't have that. Not every state does. She decided Alaska needed her. The only reason she's a United States senator, by the way, is her dad was governor and a seat opened up and she was appointed by her dad. You imagine your dad appoints you to this job and then you develop such a a sense of entitlement that you mount a write-in campaign after the people in your own party say, we don't we don't need you. We're going to go in a different direction. Well, anyway, she won. Lisa Murkowski won. And you have to, according to Arizona state law, you have to spell the name all the way out. You can't write Lisa and you have to spell it properly. Establishments in both parties do not make challenging the establishment easy. Now you go, well, Lisa Murkowski, that's got to be a trouble. All she really needed was like 34% of the vote. She won. She won in Alaska, a write-in, Lisa Murkowski. So winning as a write-in for a known commodity is not exactly scaling Mount Everest without an oxygen tank. It is not a heroic effort. It's not impossible. It's not unprecedented. It's rather common, realistically, when you look at people with enough 
name recognition. And I would like to think that no matter who the president of the United States is, no matter how horrible the guy is, the president of the United States has some name recognition, right? And so while the results will be painted as Herculean in size and scope, that Joe Biden was able to get 64,866 people to write in Joe Biden, to put down on paper uh, seven whole letters. No, eight whole letters. Wow, that's even bigger accomplishment than I thought. Not an accomplishment. Of course, Republicans will look at it and say, well, they got 64,000, right, and 65,000, we'll call it that. Donald Trump got 166,000. 243. Okay. True. All true. But they were bombarding people in New Hampshire to vote in the Republican primary. They weren't really with television ads. They weren't doing the same thing in the Democratic primary. And the real problem is the general election. Democrats have won at least the last two general elections in the live free or die state, which means the live free or die state chooses die far too often in the general election. So now might not be the, you know, we'll see what happens between now and the election. But Donald Trump last night implying that Governor Sununu up in New Hampshire, who is a very popular governor, you don't have to like him, you don't live there probably. Larry Hogan here in Maryland was a wildly popular governor in the state of Maryland. He's not popular anywhere else. Nobody else knows who he is. Nobody else wants him. Nobody else would consider voting for him. But in the state of Maryland, the Democrats loved him, which is should be warning sign enough. You can't you can have both things be true that if you're going to run in well, New Hampshire is a little bit more competitive than Mon, than Maryland ever is. But if you're going to run in Maryland and try and win as a Republican in Maryland, complaining about the most popular former governor the state ever had, probably not super good. If you're hoping to peel off some of those voters. You should complain about him because he won't do a damn thing to help you. He only helps himself. But if you're going to try to win New Hampshire in the general election, complaining about the governor, not super helpful. I get it. He said mean things. Well, Donald Trump has said mean things about other people, too. At some point, they're going to have to make that turn, make that pivot. Will Chris Sununu get on board with the Trump campaign in the general election or will he go third party or sit it out? I don't know. New Hampshire is a small state, not a lot of delegates, but this is going to be probably a razor-thin election. I hope Trump is able to put aside all this crap, and I hope Sununu is too, and recognize that their common enemy is much more important to defeat than each other. We'll see. I want to shift up and move away from the uh, politics for a bit. There is other news going on. First of all, just looked at this story. I don't know what it's worth. It can't be worth nothing. But uh, I didn't know that a place like this existed. And I might have to uh, take the family truckster out there for vacation. But uh, the headline, French tourist makes 7.48 carat discovery at Crater of Diamonds. I didn't know there was a place called Crater of Diamonds State Park in Arkansas. How could we? And their policy, by the way, according to their website, is finders keepers. 
Apparently there are diamonds there, raw diamonds, and you can go out and and people do and go digging through and try and find the diamonds and and if you it's finders keepers. That's their official policy on their website. I can't imagine it's free to get into. They probably charge you a couple bucks to get in. And there's not uh they're not exactly pulling them out left and right. Otherwise it would be another gold rush. But if you could pull out something, and again, I don't know how much it's worth, but a 7.46 carat, it's a brown diamond. That's where, like, I don't know, it's not a crystal clear diamond. It's a br- it looks like, it looks like a hunk of glass, and it's less than the size of a quarter, but still, not worth nothing. That uh, a French tourist, of course, it's a damn frog. Tax the hell out of them. Throw them out of the country. A French tourist making his first visit to Crater of Diamonds State Park in Arizona. His first, do people make multiple visits? If, if this is like a destination from around the world, how is it I've never heard of this till now? Anyway, uh, fa- ended up finding a 7.46 carat diamond, the UPI reports. Arkansas State Park said Julian Navis of Paris was visiting the country to see the United States. Or see United Launch Alliance's Vulcan Centaur rocket launch in Cape Canaveral, Florida, and ended up taking a trip to New Orleans with a friend. You can't let these frogs in, man. They never leave. While in Louisiana, Navis learned about the Crater of Diamonds and decided to visit the park before leaving the country. Can you imagine? This is a big hole or something, a pit where you can dig through mud and look for diamonds. If you're in New Orleans and that's the best you can do, that's like, you know what? I'm not having fun here anymore. It's not the drinking. It's not the food. It's just nothing here interests me. Even the sort of language, French Creole, you, just, you feel at home. You're like, nah, screw it. I want to go root through the mud in Arkansas. Then you're doing it wrong. If that's what you come up with. Said, uh, uh, while Louise, uh, quote, I got to the park around 9 o'clock and started to dig, Navis told state park officials. That is back-breaking work. So by the afternoon, I was mainly looking on top of the ground for anything that stood out. End quote. Navis ended up picking up a shiny stone that turned out to be a 7.46 carat brown diamond. Quote, I'm so happy. All I can think about is telling my fiancé what I found, he said. All I'd be able to think about is telling my fiancé how much I sold it for before I lose it. Navis dubbed his discovery the Kareen Diamond after his fiance, Assistant Park Superintendent Wayman Cox. Wayman is a real name. I heard it in fiction, but okay, first time I've occurred it, uh, come across it in nature. Wayman Cox said Navis's luck was likely helped by recent rains. Quote, we periodically plow the search area to loosen the diamond-bearing soil to promote natural erosion, end quote said as the rain falls on the field it washes away the dirt and uncovers heavy rocks minerals and diamonds near the surface now that last bit makes me think that a brown diamond isn't super valuable certainly not as valuable as like a pink diamond or a red diamond or the the hope diamond a blue diamond um because if they're like, yeah, no, when it rains, we get tons of diamonds just flopping up. I assume that the brown diamonds are pretty common there. And so, yeah, no, we get them, they just wash up everywhere, and we just kind of sweep them under. If that's 
what they're doing. If there was a lot of diamonds and there was a lot of money in brown diamonds, I'm pretty sure this would not be a state park. It would be a private facility or the state would shut it down and mine it. Just saying. So, yeah, maybe cancel your cancel canceling your vacation plans and uh, think about it for a second. I want to play you two clips here. One from Peter Ducey. These are both brought to you by News Newsbusters put these together and it's I, I was watching the Ducey clip and then I the last the second clip I'm just like, Oh my god, did that really happen? Who is this person? I had to look it up and it was somebody called Anita Pyle Powell from Voice of America. But the uh the state of Texas, Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, is advising the Texas state government to ignore the Supreme Court's order on the razor wire down there at the southern border because it it's keeping for a two mile section, two and a half mile, excuse me, a two and a half mile section of the southern border is secure because of this razor wire. And the Biden administration actually, honestly, and this should be running commercials everywhere. The RNC, if the RNC were not useless, they would be running ads about this story nonstop because the border is the motivating force for people who vote in Republican primaries, and it is the number one issue, number one or number two issue right there with the economy in most polling. Republicans need to establish dominance, full-blown dominance. They already are winning, but full-blown dominance on this issue before Democrats have a chance to redefine it, to lie about it, and they will. Or tell tales that try to tug at the heartstrings, like the bogus, that mom and two kids died because of razor wire up there. Texas wouldn't let us go save them, and that wasn't true. And the White House is still repeating that lie because they know they're not going to be called out for it. But they should be all over the place, educating the public on what the media will not inform them of so as to solidify in people's minds that Joe Biden is weak on the border. It needs to be solidified in there because he's going to do something to seem like he's doing more on the border. It's going to be worthless. It's going to be uh, superficial. It's not going to stem the tide. But it will be something that he can hang his hat on and the liberal media will go, well, we've addressed the problem. I don't know what the problem is, whether the president is on this, uh, why immigration, illegal immigration at the southern border has decreased 25% since Joe Biden. Is, yeah, okay, there's 350,000 people a month coming off. 25% is still a record compared to any time in American history before the presidency of Joe Biden. You can't double a problem and then decrease it a little and say, We've, well, look, I'm doing something to address the problem. You created the problem. So Republicans need to get out there in front of this thing. Well, the administration went to court to fight the state to remove that razor wire. And they won temporarily. It's a temporary thing, but who knows? That's why Chip Roy is saying ignore it. And I don't blame him. But the optics of that are going to be horrible. You want to run commercials on this. You find, you get footage, put a drone out there, whatever it is, of 
the Biden administration removing that razor wire and then the illegals flowing back through there and you've, it's game over in the election or it's damn close to game over on the election. It would be nice if they had the wherewithal to do that. But they could start by telling people, hey, man, we've got uh, an administration actively fighting to make sure that illegal aliens have an unencumbered pathway across the entire border. Say It's a 2,000-mile border, and the administration is worried about two and a half miles of it, that they can't just come marching across an Eagle Pass. They fought super hard to get that opened back up tells you their priorities. Well, Ducey asked John Kirby about this. And that's amazing that John Kirby is there again, pinch hitting for Corinne Jean-Pierre because Corinne Jean-Pierre is so awful at her job, but the administration can't fire her. They're sure as hell not going to promote her out of it. So they're kind of stuck. They got to let her be there as long as she can. They can't fire her because she's so historic. And they've gotten, you know, dozens of profile pieces about how historic she is and amazing and wonderful. And she sucks at her job. And they're like, God, please just find another gig. And CNN, MSNBC is kind of out of the running because CNN, they already hired her predecessor. They can't hire two press secretaries in a row. And CNN is going, we already have bad ratings. We can't have, we can't do her. So they're stuck with Corinne Jean-Pierre. She has no marketable skills. None aside from looking down, fluttering her eyes while she tries to read statements that people have prepared for her. Who's going to buy that? Anyway, so they brought in Kirby and Ducey asked about the fight that the administration is making, not to secure the border, but to open more of the border. This is a very telling exchange and disturbing exchange, if you care at all about sovereignty of the United States. Are you guys making it easier for people to enter the country illegally? I believe we are. Why do you think we are? Well, you guys sued to cut razor wire that was put in place by Texas officials. So that the Border Patrol could actually do their jobs, but keep going. Well, you won in court, so now what? The Border Patrol Union president is saying the Supreme Court's decision is going to undoubtedly encourage more illegal immigration. Do you guys know better than the Border Patrol Union? The Border Patrol needed access, and that's why we sued to get rid of that uh, razor wire, so that they could do their jobs. Does razor wire work? Does razor wire work for what? Does it work for the Border Patrol to allow them to have the access they need to be able to uh, to better process people that are uh, trying to get across the border? I don't think so, and that's why we asked for it to be removed. But what is the president's plan? This is happening just weeks after 300,000 people came into this country over the southern border illegally. The razor wire officials down there think was keeping some of them out, and you guys just sued and won to remove it. Just <laughs> now you love that. What the, the the border patrol? They need to uh, they need access to there to be able to do their jobs. Their jobs are sort of to secure our border, not to. They're not welcome wagons. They're not the people saying, "Come on in. Here's uh, three hots and a cot. Here's a blanket. Are you okay? Can we rub your feet? You, we understand you just made a long march. No, it's supposed to be to secure our border to make sure people do not enter 
illegally. But they've changed it. They've bastardized it to the point that they are basically pencil pushers. They make sandwiches for illegal aliens. They, they process, quote-unquote, process them and then release them. The pinky swear that eventually they'll come back to uh, court in about a decade. You always thought that border secure was uh, border patrol was about border enforcement. It's not. It's not remotely about border enforcement. Sucker has nothing to do with it. It is totally and completely about processing people into the country and a two and a half mile stretch where the border patrol can't do that. They can do it on either end of the two and a half miles, and they're doing it gangbusters at other end at either end of the two and a half miles. But that two and a half miles in that state park, that's so damned important that the Biden administration had to go and sue for it. That's their priority. They've made no effort whatsoever to stem the tide of the flow. And now they're making sure that no effort can be exerted to direct the flow, to control the flow. Nothing. And he's sitting there going, uh, you know, I don't understand what they're trying to do their job. Is it to process it in? I hope to God that Republicans get the visual of them. We're probably going to send in the, uh, the army or border patrol, whatever it is. Getting rid of, I don't know if you're familiar with the razor wire. Razor wire is nasty stuff. Nasty. You don't want to touch it. You go near it and there's a good chance. We, uh, when I was roofing again, there'd be you know buildings connected to other buildings and whatever and they would didn't want people to go into one building from another they put up razor wire or you know people could climb up on the roof and break into buildings so they put razor wire where there are fences and stuff if you got anywhere close to razor wire it was just catching on your clothes it's not barbed wire barbed wire is it's not fun you don't want to run into barbed wire razor wire is something else it's even sharper it's even pointier there's more stuff it's just nasty people don't mess with it but they want to get rid of it it's effective it works what i think texas should do is ignore the order because i don't think the biden administration really wants to order border patrol into a physical confrontation with the texas national guard and then texas should also consider throwing a whole bunch more razor wire into the rio grande into the water all right we removed from the ground, we put it in the water. The order was get it off the ground. Now it's in the Rio Grande. Be harder to get it out of the Rio Grande. Be more dangerous in the Rio Grande. And it would, you put up signs and you let people know, hey, there's razor wire in here. Don't come in here. Look out. But the idea of securing our southern border is not what Border Patrol is supposed to do, according to Admiral Kirby. I don't know how that didn't make more news. I really don't. But it's a Democrat, so that's probably why. That's actually definitely why. Who are we kidding? Anyway, that is enough for today. Don't forget patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Enter to win the autographed Buzz Aldrin book and all the good stuff. Support the program with the week in F and review. Everything that you need to know is right there ready to go five bucks a month is all we ask or we accept more but five bucks a month is all we ask as a minimum have yourself a wonderful thursday tomorrow is friday glorious delicious friday i can smell it we'll get to that weekend together see you tomorrow thanks for listening